0: You're listening to Chameleon Church, biblical antidotes for the modern man, with your host Alan
1: Aguirre, a Faceless Gen production. Still natural. It's just super, and the way we and we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven, and these are the ways we get to this point where the impossible is possible, where it's it's commonplace. We should be anticipating the supernatural in our natural. Last week we talked a little bit about how Adam relinquished his his. Authority, and deed to the earth, and how Jesus came, and He's coming back to reclaim the deed of the earth and establish His kingdom here on earth—a physical reign—and we are the ones who are supposed to offer up the harvest to Him, a harvest of nations and cities. And we talked about how His first coming is set the stage for our inheritance to walk as kings and priests. Kings expand territory, and priests. Bring heaven down on top of that territory. This is all very, it's exciting, it's, it's, it's significant. And, it, and this kingdom of heaven concept should be transforming and affecting every area of our life. Our relationships, our marriages, our children, our businesses, our jobs, every aspect. And then we, we talked about how God has a, a plan for the church. And it's the same plan that he had for Israel, which was to enter the land, possess it, and occupy it and now we can actually start getting into the 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 mechanics of how we walk in this revelation of the kingdom of heaven in our day to day because of the mechanics that were involved for Israel to be able to occupy to possess the land the things they had to to do or overcome how they had to change their, their frame of, of reference, their thinking how they processed information how they allowed that information to, to transform their lives and then regurgitate that information as they went forward and so we left off with uh, last week about possession and occupation now we have this responsibility to possess and occupy because he's coming back for a, to, to establish a physical kingdom which is not a very popular doctrine but he is coming back to establish a physical kingdom he's going to reign from Jerusalem and he's preparing a people a one new man to rule with him and to govern cities and the parable of the mina speaks of that but in order to do that we're going to have to experience what Israel had to experience to get him up to speed with God's mandates and his precepts and his Way of doing things in order for them to go into the land and be successful. So here's a testimony actually happened today talking about what we're talking about. We uh, left Dallas four months ago. And um, so our, our house, Treehouse version one, we put on the market a short sell. It's been like three and a half months in the process of doing this short sell. David uh, Lawson hooked us up with a realtor that literally lived in our neighborhood. We actually bought, I think, Girl Scout cookies from her daughters or something. So today I find she, I get a phone call from the realtor. We're, we're like probably three weeks away from closing, and she goes, uh, the buyer sent their inspector over to the house to inspect it, and all the utilities have been turned off. And part of the process of a short sale is we have to maintain all that. So Christina called the electric company, and they said, well, here's your past due, which is barely anything, and here's the, the reconnect fee, but it's going to require a $785 deposit. What? We only need this on for another two or three weeks. We're in the middle of a short sale. That the house is about to close. We only need the electric on under our name for another two or three weeks, and then we're done with you. And uh, they're like, no. And no matter what my wife said, she kept telling, saying $700 or $785, 700, you know, deposit, deposit, deposit. So Christina just hung up. We're driving back from Park City this afternoon. And I'm like, what are we going to do? Utilities are off. They want over a thousand dollars to put everything back on with deposits and all that. And I'm like, I don't have an extra thousand dollars sitting around. Some of you might. We should go and talk and have, some, have a meal together or something. Uh, I don't know how many of you have an extra thousand dollars laying around that's not earmarked for something. I don't. Not today. Here we go. Okay. Am I going to stress and we talked about this. Am I going to stress out about the fact that I don't have an extra $1,000 laying around? Because not having these utilities on is a good reason for now the bank to say we are not continue with the process of the short sale. We could lose the short sale deal, and then they can stiff me with the entire amount. I mean, this is not just a little thing. I'm not interested in that type of uh, <laughs> phone call or, or, or whatever. I want to be done with this house. We live here. So am I going to stress out? Because this is quickly turning into a mountain, right? Okay, if I can't get the utilities on because I don't have an extra $1,000 laying around and throw out a deposit, the bank could very well say, oh, you reneged on your part of the deal, no more short sale, now you owe us for the full amount, and we're going to foreclose on you. I'm not really interested in doing all that, going through all that. Do we stress out? Do we become anxious? Do we start doing what? Being like a pagan, do I revert to a pagan mindset, a pagan thought process, and start stressing out and freaking out about it? Well, it was quiet in the van on the way home because I'm processing all this information. I was with Asa and, and my brother Anthony here, and I was just thinking of all the different things. I'm like, all right, Lord. You know, I'm looking at the the, the situation. Got home. My wife's on her way out because she's working the uh, the event on Main Street right now. We chatted for a couple minutes. She's like, I'm like, well, we'll, let's, we'll figure it out went back inside. Anthony disappeared. I don't know where you went, but I got on the phone. I called the electric company and I went, Hey, they're like, yeah, you owe this much. And it's going to cost this much to reconnect. And you need a $785 deposit. I'm like, you know, I don't have that. I just don't have it. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do that. I can pay the, the past due, and I can pay the, the ReConnect, but I'm not going to be able to pay you a deposit of $785. We only need the electric up for three more weeks. We're in the process of, of a short sale. We've been in a short sale for over three months. It's going to, the house is going to close in about two or three weeks. Let me talk to my supervisor. One second. Okay, uh, we can waive the deposit. Da, 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 da. Boom. Paid. Done. Deal. No more $785 deposit. Got off the phone, called my wife, and she's like, cool all the way into park city from our house i kept saying hey this is what we're talking about this is what this is what we're talking about we can't stress we can't start reverting back to a practical mentality or reasoning and start going oh we've talked about this for the last two or three weeks we've used examples like this for the last two or three weeks well today i got to practice what i preach am i going to revert or am i just going to go hold on here the Lord knows I don't have an extra $1,000 laying around. He has orchestrated it that way. When I do have an extra $1,000 laying around, he orchestrated it that way. Okay, I'm depending on you to, to set this up, make, make, it all, make it all better. He's a good father. He put a nice little Band-Aid on it, kissed it, and sent me on my way. This is what we're talking about. It is a very tangible thing. And it, but it requires... So you, here's one thing I didn't mention that I do mention all the time. Everything is, is designed to elicit a response from you. Everything is designed to solicit or elicit a response from you. And that response must be every single time. You wake up, you don't have coffee... Do you become grumpy and start barking at people, like I did last night because of the refrigerator? Or do you go, hey, I got busted. Or do you do the exact opposite? Everything is designed to, to require a response from you, and that response has to be in alignment with the Lord, in obedience. Adam responded incorrectly and disobeyed. The majority of us will respond incorrectly in our day-to-day And disobey or dishonor the Lord, or put us in a situation where we don't respond correctly and we get the wrong, the undesired result. Does that make sense? One plus one equals two. Respond correctly, get the desired result. Respond incorrectly, and you're probably going to end up over there. Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) So, All of these are parts of the mechanics of the machine of possession and occupation and walking the kingdom of heaven now here on earth. So remember I mentioned I didn't have any money. The the Lord downloaded a business idea to me, and I asked the leaders of the church, the pastors of our church, I go, I need to speak with the most anointed, godly, entrepreneur in our church that all of you guys endorse. (laughs) I'm going to try and embarrass them. This is what I asked him. I go, I need to talk to the entrepreneur in this church that you guys all can vouch for as being godly in, in his business dealings. And they all said the same guy. They all said Anthony Smith. So I got a hold of him and said, Hey, I need to talk with you. I've got a, the Lord's downloaded a business idea for me. Uh, and I need to implement it, but I need some godly wisdom, right? If you want to make 50 grand, you don't hang out and talk to people that make 25, because they're not going to be able to teach you how to make 50. You hang out with people that make 100, 150, because they're going to teach you how to make 50. Just basic business principles. If you watch The Celebrity Apprentice, Donald Trump's telling you the same thing. (laughs) So anyway, I called this guy. He blew me off for about two or three months. We couldn't touch base with each other. He was busy. I don't know what he was doing. But he was busy. We finally got together. And remember, his wife said, pitch us. I'm like, okay. And we did. And he said, I can give you the money. Or, if you'd like, you're one step away. I can show you how God can come in. You won't have to borrow money. And we can put God in charge of your business. And we went, that's what we want. We don't want your money. We want God to actually run this business for us. There's things involved to describe how that works, and we're gonna to be touching on those obviously because that's what we're talking about. But the Lord asked me, how much money do you want to make a month? And I said, I want to make twenty thousand dollars a month. That was the number. I kind of had a predetermined number. I said, I want I want twenty thousand dollars a month. He goes, Okay, and guess how much we were making every month? Twenty thousand dollars a month. Well, Anthony here's the thing about Anthony Smith and his family, his lovely family, his beautiful family. I cannot live without him and his family. It's an impossible thing. It's not designed like that. And in the same way, the Smith family cannot live without the Aguires. We are grafted. We are, the Lord's done this crazy thing. So there's this huge dynamic involved there. Well, we were going on a fishing trip in Dallas, and I was explaining to him that. Man, I can't seem to get past that twenty thousand dollar mark. You know, I'm trying to break the twenty thousand dollar mark after three or four, five, six months. You know, I got, I want, I need more. And he just looks at me and he laughs and he goes, "That's because you asked for twenty. You only had the faith for twenty thousand dollars. That's the only reason why you're only going to make twenty, and you're not going to be able to make more than that. You only had the faith for twenty. And I'm like, "Crap, that's true." And then he goes, "Sorry, because it was like unsolicited advice, <laughs> counsel." I remember that, and I'll never forget that. Because it's true. I only had the faith for 20, and that's why I kept capping out at 20. Anthony's part of the advisory board, or was, was a part of the advisory board of Shady Grove Church. Some of you have heard of Robert Morris and Gateway Church in Dallas. They not only bought our building, but they bought the church, the people, and Shady Grove Church now no longer exists. It's Gateway Grand Prairie Satellite Church, or something like that. But anyway, Anthony's stuck around through, I guess he's going to stay for there for about another year or for the rest of the year. He was involved with the process of the, of the merger, of the acquisition. He was involved with the counseling of all that stuff. He knows how to walk in the kingdom financially, but also in, in, a pra- in the practicalities of life. And so I thought, well, this is awesome because we, our, our whole adventure started with the Joshua principle. Uh, that's how this started with, with Anthony and his family and I. And that's where we left off last week. So I thought, was, oh, well, this is convenient. He's here, so he's going to share with you a little bit on that. This is Anthony Smith, uh, my dear brother. I'm going to hook you up here to the Matrix.
0: Good evening. I'm going to sit down. Yeah, you can sit down. I don't know, I guess so. That is true. I did. I avoided him for about three months, and I, I, um, I remember telling my wife, like, I don't know why this guy keeps calling me. He wants to have dinner. He wants to have dinner, and so finally, I'm like. Honey, let's just, let's just talk to him, see what it's all about. And so he, he did. He, he, uh, they told us their business idea. And um, he was asking for $60,000. And I popped off and said, well, we'll give you the money. And my wife's like, <laughs> looking at me like, really? Or we can let the Lord, you know, do this thing. And that's, that's what's really on my heart, um, talking with Alan here in the last couple of months about, about you guys the availability for you to step into what's available. Is there anyone here that's actually spoken to their finances and had it respond within an hour? Perfect. So there's, there's three people, four people. This not should... Consistent. Not consistently. Not <laughs> consistently. All right. It wasn't, it wasn't an hour. <laughs> but it did respond. Yes. Okay perfect we we were talking with them about the joshua principle um he coined that phrase so i give him credit for that but the concept was when we when they came out of of egypt they were they were enslaved against their will and in bondage and if you remember moses told pharaoh that he was going to take the israelites into the wilderness to worship him The Lord said he was going to test them and worship them. This process is more than likely what everyone in here is currently enduring. It's those testings, just like what Alan went through today. Those little things where the Lord tests your faith because it's impossible to please him without faith, right? So what he does is, if you're, you're all called, I trust you all love Yeshua, Anybody not love him? This might not make sense, but <laughs> I'm going to pretend you do. He places his spirit within you, and then that spirit goes to work handcrafting you to look like Messiah. James and Paul and the entire New Testament is a beautiful example of all of us being knit together as a body. The concept of this faith, uh, the Lord will test your faith, He'll allow the enemy. Some some of us say we're under attack or whatever. Most of the time, it's the Lord getting you, just like Alan said, to have a response. And almost all the time, the issue is larger than you can handle on your own. If if you get a bill in the mail for $5, most of the time you just write a check. You don't think about it. Something will come up that you can't handle. What's your first response? My first response is typically, uh-oh, <laughs> It's like, "Ah." and then, you know, depending on how catastrophic it is, I'll go to my wife, and I'm like, "Man, this is this is just not fun." Paul says, "Take every thought captive." Why is that important? It's important because our minds are constantly being transformed. The concept of going around the the wilderness was that is the, the very thing that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. It's the every aspect of your life going from station to station throughout your spiritual journey where you're, you're put in a position where you cannot do it alone. And you have two choices. Back to bondage or the Lord comes through. Paul says you take those thoughts captive, rightly dividing it by the word. If you're not reading the word, you will have the wrong response and you will go back into bondage. Or you just sit out in the desert and die. Our objective is to cross over that Jordan. Just a little side note. The first time they went over there, the ten spies, what did they say? We look like grasshoppers in our eyes and in theirs these giants. In our eyes, that's an important point. When you're facing these tests of faith, your perspective is what's radically important. Had the spies recognized, like Joshua and Caleb, that even though they were giants, they were their food, what they were going to inhabit, the the perspective of occupation is radically different. So when you encounter issues in your life, if you're married, it could be a relationship, it could be children, bills um, your perspective is immensely important Paul gives us a hint take that thought captive make certain that you recognize even what James says what happens get excited when your faith is tested So the Israelites should have been excited about going through the desert but they spoke Egyptian almost for 40 years grumbling and complaining grumbling and complaining grumbling and complaining Until we get to the point where we have an entire generation who doesn't have that slavery mentality. However, they don't have... They haven't made that commitment to change something about themselves. Alan has probably talked to you about the second circumcision, where they have to circumcise this next whole thing. I believe that we're in that period right now. This is where we consecrate ourselves as a decision to allow that, that Torah that he's written on our heart to be our guide. This is a choice. It's all about a choice. They had to choose to leave Egypt. Then he had to choose to, to trust that Adonai was literally going to provide without their ability to do anything. Now that's key. In the desert, there's no way to make money. They had plenty. Nowhere to spend it, right? They plundered the Egyptians, but they had no food and no water and they wanted to go back to slavery. That was their first choice. The Lord gives them food and he tests them with that manna. This is what it's like when you're, when you're in this season of your life and you don't have the ability to see the, the promised land, so to speak. We'll, we'll use that principle. Um, everybody here has got an activity that the Lord wants you to occupy. Now it takes two things. Obviously faith. This is what we're, to, we're talking about tonight. And then it takes community. It takes unity with your brothers and sisters. One of the main things that was impressed upon Joshua before he crossed over was the entire army of Israel. Every tribe had to have men in the army. They were not allowed to allow one tribe to not have military presence. This unity was key throughout the entire trip in the desert, and in the occupation stage. So, community is important. I'm not going to get into that. I'm sure Alan can get into that. But the faith part, if your faith is weak, this is where the others in the community build your faith up, right? Just like Alan said, he had faith for 20,000. I might have faith for 50,000. I don't have faith for 100,000. Well, if if I don't have faith for 100,000... Um, and I want that kind of faith. Obviously, we ask the Lord to increase our faith. This happens through through these testings, right? And then we surround ourselves with people that support us in those testings. So, in short, if you want to shake your life up and test the Lord in these areas, what's the first thing you have to do? Obviously, tithe, Right? This is a testing issue. We're allowed to test him in that. The second thing is, is we, like James says, count it all joy when your faith is tested. And you go through these testings because it builds patience. Why is patience important? Patience, when it's completed, is, is what allows us to have these giftings of the Spirit present. Right? The fruit, this is the fruits of the Spirit Back in Genesis, he says, be fruitful and multiply. He wants spiritual fruit. When, when you occupy what you, each one of you is designed a specific way in an image of God. We're image bearers, right? And so there's talents and abilities and capacities and inheritances that have been stored up. That you have the obligation as a believer in the Messiah to put all that into practice so that we can present that to our children to carry this inheritance on, right? I'm thinking about the kinsman redeemer. You guys are familiar with Boaz and Ruth. This, this—it's uh, a shadowing. It's a foreshadowing of the concept of Yeshua. He created us, and so He is our. He has the rights to redeem us, right? In in the spiritual realm, the kinsman redeemer has to pay a price which is predetermined based on what they're redeeming and, and the person that is being redeemed from cannot say no if the price is met. It is two keys here. And so Boaz, we all know the story, he redeems this, this field. What was the price? He had to marry Ruth and have, a, and have a son. So the son could inherit this land and have an offspring for eternal inheritances this is the concept of of jesus redeeming us as a bride so that we we, we can have this multiplication and fruitfulness for eternity this kinsman redeemer concept anyway the the concept the reason I, dra- I drag that in there is because of the inheritance um, i'm certain all of us have parents and and maybe not parents but um a lineage of people who have dropped their inheritance through, whether it's uh, doubt, unbelief, lack of understanding, those inheritances through a bloodline, all of you guys are literally, legally, spiritually authorized to inhabit. And you have to pay a price. And the Lord has got that price preset. If you're willing, this is a choice, you can ask the Lord, I want to redeem that inheritance from my upline. I want all those things that he's placed in my heritage that, that didn't flow down, that I can take advantage of. And so when I go in to occupy this land through the um, passing of the testings that we've been in, I can take that and hand that off to the next generation. The, the goal is to occupy, like Alan's been teaching you guys. What are we occupying? Paul says we're not battling flesh and blood, we're battling spiritual principalities. And you have mighty weapons. What are these weapons? The first one, obviously, we all, we've all heard about our armor and our, our sword and all that. But, but the most powerful weapon is love, right? How do you use love mixed with faith to conquer these tests? Interesting question, huh? You have to have a good definition of what love looks like. The entirety of what God is is love, right? He said, God is love. We all know that. He's also a consuming fire. So this consuming fire and love is, is an interesting perspective. What happens if you're in a testing and you seem to be losing things? Paul has clearly told you the Lord is going to come in and he's going to test you. Your foundation is going to be shaken. Everything that's not built on the solid rock is going to get blown away. You know you know the story of the house built on sand? that concept is the same when you intentionally try to occupy something what's not built on love will not last you will get tested he's going to say okay i want you to occupy this territory takes faith your understanding of of what's required right counsel uh submit your ways your plans to the lord in all your ways acknowledge him. Don't lean on your own understanding. This is capturing your thoughts. And he will direct your path. That's that faith walk. So he, so he says, okay, I want you to do this. You go through that mental exercise. You start stepping out. And the first thing that happens is you have an insurmountable roadblock. Now your faith is tested. You get to allow the Lord to pull you through that. He has to, he has to show himself faithful. He had to have them go through the desert without water, without food, without medical, without um, a military. I mean, these were slaves. So that they learned in the desert how to rely on him, not on their own strength. This is key. And he says it over and over and over. Because when you get into the promised land, and you have your houses, and you have your cattle, and all your grain, and you get fat, you'll forget the fact that he is your provision. The testing is mandatory for you to recognize you are not capable of occupation without the Lord at your side. Now, he takes you through there's multiple kings and cities that they conquer. All of them is a great example of the different, different types of things that we have to um, occupy, and he allows us, every step of the way, to become more and more inactive for rulership. I'm, I'm a businessman. is there any businessman in here? Anybody? one over here two three great the foundation of a business is justice and righteousness learn that if you want to rule in a dominion state you have to have the foundation of your business on justice and righteousness the very foundation of his throne he's a king and he rules if we're a king. If you consider yourself, I consider all of us kings, even if you don't have a business. It's easy for me to explain it in a business concept. If you're not in a business, it's the same principle. You work for someone else, you have a dominion. It's what you've been given through your your, um, employer. No matter what you do, justice and righteousness. Absolute justice. The Torah teaches us every aspect of justice my personal opinion, the testing of our faith is mercy. So that, in the end, that final judgment, we have already endured everything we have to endure. So that the the bloods cleanse us. I understand that. We've been reconciled. But sin has a consequence. Those testings, those those little battlegrounds is what gets us to the end um, and and not have that long lineage of things that's going to come under judgment. So the Think of it as mercy. Every time you get tested, it doesn't matter whether you pass or fail, uh, unless you want to occupy. The, mercy and grace is it's it's designed so that you can rule and occupy justice and mercy. Ask for mercy. That's what I do. I get these these testings and I failed. What happens? Something uh Something will happen and I, I, I don't have the right attitude and I get the wrong repercussions and I'm like, oh, Father, I'm sorry. Have, have mercy on me. Help me through this. Guide me through that next step. And he will. He loves to look for ways to extend mercy to his, to his people, to his bride. So don't, don't panic if you fail. That's not the, the concept is to enjoy that testing so that it builds patience in your life and you can become complete in all those areas. I want to encourage you guys as a... This morning when I was praying, I wanted to encourage you guys as a congregation, as a, as a unit. Um, I don't know much about your history. Alan's told me a brief snippet. This is your size today. You guys have endured. I want to congratulate you on that. The, the fact that you are still here is an implication of what's residing in your heart for that desire to conquer. You might be tired. That's okay. Israelites were tired. The Lord gives them rest. Recognize the fact that you have been found faithful to this point. Now take, a, take, that, take that choice. Like Caleb and Joshua. Yes, we will cross over. We will cross over. Be strong enough and of good courage. Just encourage each other as as a body, as a community. You've you've done well. Um, the in the area of unity, there's a couple points. There's a blessing that's commanded when brethren walk in unity. It's it's exponential. One of the reasons. Alan was successful is because we, we united in that venture. And we would pray together. And we would be in unity every time he would take a step. And we, we talked on the phone. I mean, I got a, a, a daily report almost for, for a season. He would give these praise reports, you know, and then the next thing. But in unity, we went, in, we went at that in battle. And, and the New Testament says, right, one can put a 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000. That's exponential recognize that this is where you're starting work with each other in this area of supporting each other come together look at each other as what it takes for you to take that next step with this group binding together and learning the unity how to rely on one another the giftings that you have every one of you is different scripture said it everybody has all sufficiency you have what it takes right now to take that next step Zephaniah, in, in the last days, the Lord says that, that He will change the people. He will cause their lips to speak a pure language in unity. I love that verse, Zephaniah 3, 8 and 9. It's absolutely fascinating in this hour and time to think that we're living in an era where we have the ability to, to, to see the body of Christ come together as one. We're going to look like Jesus. We're going to be comparable to Jesus without spot or wrinkle. We're going to be a worthy bride. And this happens through us working together in these areas of testing. Lean on one another. This is all part of it. We want to be ready for our Messiah so we can rule and reign. Righteousness and justice in our hearts, the very foundation of everything we do is from that standpoint. So. Stay unified, get closer together, get to know one another, find out where people need strength, the areas where they need that, that person to lean on. That, that's our job in this era, in this, in this environment. This is a beautiful part of the nation. I just, it's beautiful. I was raised in Alaska for 30 years. I love the mountains. Um, it's, it's amazing to me, the number of cities you have in these valleys, it's a little rabbit trail uh And the number of people that are here and it's and it 's beautiful it 's manicured um, there 's an enormous amount of um, resources and wealth and spiritual opportunity here and you guys are right in the middle of it and i man i'm, I'm <laughs> i 'm jealous now I have a, a a dear brother here and i I can come up and visit and uh, enjoy this pristine environment but driving around uh, Park City in Heber I'm not sure where you guys live but man you guys are blessed man uh, what's available for you guys to occupy is incredible the ability for you guys to be involved in changing the spiritual atmosphere from this place in Utah has the potential to infect the entire nation and and you guys are right in the middle of it and you're this is it you have the the opportunity it's all about a choice ask the father to test your faith David did test me prove me, purge me wash me with hyssop, clean me show me those secret areas in my heart, the ones I don't even know about and this this is our prayer in this, era, in this time and season. Encourage one another. Husbands and wives. Man, pray together. Uh, intercede over one another. As a body, as a corporate body. I, I'd love to see your families just unite and, and grasp that singular vision to alter the spiritual atmosphere in this area. And it starts in this, in this, one, this one little hub, the branch. I love that. I love the name of this, of this body. Any questions? I know I, I hit in a broad spectrum. I'd be absolutely happy to answer any questions, clarify some. Yes? What you kids or Fortunately, that was a foreshadowing. Um, the con- Fruitfulness and multiplication, you can have spiritual sons and daughters. I mean, the concept of being in the body of Christ isn't necessarily that you have to have children, but you have to be part of the body. And so you have an inheritance in your upline that has to be passed to somebody or it's going to go stagnant, right? The enemy will take whatever you let him take. And so the objective is, is for you to plug into that body, find somebody to give your inheritance to, to pass that on. Anything that's alive in you, you is transferable. You, you can literally give it to somebody.
1: These principles go across the board.
0: Absolutely. Money is the lowest form of spiritual authority. Bill Johnson says that. I love that concept. Out of everything in creation, only a human can tell God no. That's it. Nothing else can say no to Abba. Nothing. Rocks. The enemy of your soul. Trees. Animals. Only a human can say no. So... There's over 2,300 verses in Scripture that deal with money. And Jesus points it out real clear. Who's going to trust you with true riches if you can't handle the lowest form of spiritual authority? Our faithfulness in this area is, is, is kind of like a litmus test of everything else that's in our life. But the concept, you can deal with healing, relationships, education, Enlightenment and scripture, revelation—all of this—it's it's the same concept. The, the principle of how you deal with money you can you can apply to every area of your life. It's easy for us to understand how to do it with money because we feel so attached to it, and it, it's such a big part of our provision. But it's really not. I mean, the Lord is the one that provides for you. And just as a side note, there's nowhere in scripture where the husband. Or Or the man of the family is supposed to provide for his family. We're supposed to be stewards of what the Lord gives us. The Lord is our provision. Nowhere in scripture does it say it's your responsibility to provide. You're to be faithful with what he gives you. And Jesus says he'll give you more. It's that simple. If you don't feel like you have enough provision, you're not trusting in him for what you do have. Jeremiah 17 says the man that that trusts in his ability... Is like a shrub planted in the desert. Right? And even when good comes, He can't see it. If you're struggling in an area of provision, first repent. Ask the Lord to birth that revelation in you that He's your provision. Start testing your faith in that area for Him to provide. Be faithful with what He does give you. It could be your car, your job, your house. Clean it up. Make it look like it's, this is a part of the kingdom of heaven, right? Everything you have needs to look like you're a ruler. Everything. Your kids, your, your business, your bicycles, your clothes. Um, be faithful with everything he gives you. And he will give you more. Yes? They plundered Egypt. They plundered them. Think about it. For what there's nowhere to spend it I, I personally think it was brilliant the lord takes him out of egypt with with gold and silver everything they wanted they took all the clothing and everything and there was nowhere to spend it they couldn't buy food because there wasn't anything out there it gets back to that testing in the in the, in the wilderness the concept was to trust in yeshua for your provision He'll give you all, whatever it takes. He's a king. He owns everything. It's all his. He has no problem making sure you have what you need. But you get to go through the testing so that you're faithful enough to handle the authority that's available. In order to be able to speak to a rock and have water, you have to be faithful with what he's giving you. the authority that's available to us now Jesus gives us authority as he sees fit <laughs> you can increase your authority but you have to be faithful everybody has a beginning amount of authority and you be faithful with it but, but the testing is designed um, for you to succeed right the whole, what's the Holy Spirit's job to lead you into all truth those deep things of the Father for your life to have you fulfill the, the ability for you to fulfill all the desires of everything that was created before you were created for your life to lead you into that fullness and so you, you get this concept as you go through these testings he keeps building you and building you and building you to establish the kingdom here on earth that's what it's about and, and you start with your life and your giftings use your authority to do it speak to your circumstances If if it's a little scary, grab one of the the congregation. Bind together. Say, hey, I, I need help in this. Guess what? It's a lot easier with two. That's what Jesus said. It's a lot easier. Don't be a lone wolf. Use each other. Conquer those things. Take over. You have the authority to call the people that are looking and searching. Did you know that? Has anyone in here... Spoken in the Spirit to the people that are searching, tell them, "Here I am. This is it. Yeshua is here. Lord, lead me to this person. Show me that person that's seeking you. He loves them just as much as he does you. He is a wonderful, wonderful Savior. Fall in love with Jesus. Ask Him to show you the ones that He's He's ready for, and then speak to Him." Get active in your prayer life. Love those people when they come here.